0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow
1: co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. This one here.
0: Okay, and we're back with our final preview for the World Cup. The last and final group, Group H. By the time you guys are listening to this, the World Cup will already have kicked off, but this group will not have played a single game yet. We're talking about Portugal, Uruguay, Ghana, and South Korea. How are you doing today? My name is Pete Douthit, co-host of the Tactical Yanks podcast with my co-host, Filippo Silva. How you doing,
1: man? Doing great. Another preview here. We did all eight of them here in the podcast, not on the YouTube channel. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed it. And as we said on previous episodes, during the World Cup, we will try to keep it going. Well, we're definitely going to have episodes one, maybe two a week, but you'll find us more on our YouTube channels 11 Yanks and Tactical Manager TV. Pete, the last group and An exciting group, too. I think the most interesting story to me is the reunion between Luis Suarez and Ghana. Mm. But those are not the first two we're talking about, are they?
0: No. We'll start off talking about Portugal, who I think has a realistic shot to win. I don't think it's likely that they're going to win. But if you look at them on talent, they definitely have enough talent to win this World Cup. That's my early hot take on Portugal.
1: Does the Piers Morgan Ronaldo interview change anything for you? (sighs)
0: yes maybe because i i even said this if ronaldo is a cancer in that locker room then it could be a real problem for portugal because he's the kind of guy who wants to be the man the star right and make it all about him and that could
1: cause problems um do you think he's going to start because the current coach is still fernando santos yes Right, uh, the coach of the Euros all the way in twenty sixteen, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. that he won. Now, do I think he should start? That's a different question. And the answer to it is no. I don't no. think Ronaldo should start for Portugal. I think having him as a super sub off the bench is something you do need to have. He does is it the only problem with that is this Ronaldo's one of those players that if he doesn't embrace the super sub role, he does what he did is doing to Man United right now. He becomes just a problem, right? But if he embraces that for Portugal and he's like, I'll be on the bench motivating my teammates, providing leadership, and I'll be ready to come in the final 20 or 30 minutes whenever the coach needs me. yeah, He is an extremely valuable player still that will come in and when people are tired and he has the right position, he knows how to make the right movements, still world-class finishing, he can work. But the problem is I see him being a problem. Like if you're going to put him on the bench – the way he is right now. And we saw that with the Piers Morgan interview. You might as well leave him home if you're going to put him on the bench. So if you're going to bring him, you have to start him. My opinion, there's better options right now. Like personally, my center forward for Portugal would be Rafael Leon. That would be my center forward. And then you play Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes behind them, maybe on a three, four, two, one, or even a four, three, two, one, like more central, You have also fullbacks or wingbacks for Portugal that can provide a lot. When you look at it, they have – it can even be Rafael Guerreiro, Nuno Mendes on the left, whichever one you want. João Cancelo, right? Probably one of the best fullbacks going forward nowadays, like in terms of ability to cross technically. João Cancelo from Man City. So you can use your fullbacks or wingbacks as width, have Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes pinch inside to create and have Rafael Leão up top. Do you wonder, though, with Rafael Leão, will you
0: lose something not playing him on the wing?
1: Um, well, um, under that system, no, because the way I'm trying to set it up, you don't really have wingers, right? Your width comes from the right. fullbacks and you have more of a creators through the middle. And then you also have other central midfield. But yes, if you want to play in a system with wingers, ideally, you'd want to place Rafael Leão as your left winger, right? Left inverted winger. But at the same time, did you see their roster? I did see it, yeah. They don't really have that many wingers, true wingers, right? Right. When you look at it, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, João Mario, they're not wingers, right? You can place them wide if you want. I guess Otavio from Porto, he can play as a winger. Ricardo Horta from Sporting Braga is a winger. Rafael Leão, and that's it. So true wingers, there's like three. That's it. So... (laughs) It makes you wonder if the best option with this roster is to just not play with wingers. Um, Because you look at other players, uh, Gonzalo Ramos is not a winger. Andres Silva is not a winger. João Félix can play if you put him on the wing. He'll play in the wing, but he's not a winger. Cristiano Ronaldo, not a winger anymore. There's a lot of players that play central, right? Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, Vitinha from PSG, Mateus Nunes from Wolves, Danilo Pereira, William Carvalho. So I personally think this team is not a team to play with wingers. The, with, and you have fullbacks that are quality going forward. But Fernando Santos loves his 4-3-3.
0: Yeah, he's not going to change it. So we're going to see the 4-3-3, which means Leal probably on the left and probably Ronaldo up top. I think he's going to start Ronaldo as the striker, the 9. Because Ronaldo can't really play on the wing anymore.
1: No. Uh, in terms of what Fernando Santos will do, yes, you're probably as accurate as it gets. I think Ronaldo's starting is even more certain than Rafael León on the left wing. Ronaldo will yeah. start. Yeah, going yeah, to start so. every
0: game. And then you're going to have probably Bruno Fernandes on the, Bruno Fernandes on the right.
1: Maybe uh, João no, Felix. Bernardo no, Silva, right? Bernardo Silva, maybe?
0: I'm oh, sorry, Bernardo Silva, yeah. Bruno Fernandes, Fernandes
1: is usually benched by, by Fernando Santos. He benches Bruno yeah, Fernandes. Yeah, Bernardo
0: Silva on the right, and then Joao Felix off the bench if you need a goal.
1: Yeah, well, I think the midfield there too, like the six, I'm assuming the six is going to be William Carvalho or Danilo Pereira, one or two. Maybe, like, Bruno Fernandes could be at the bench. He could start Mateus Nunes and Vitinha as the double pivots. Yeah, uh, the the problem here is this it's it's kind of like Fernando Santos is one of those old school managers that just kind of like plays that one way he reminds me a lot at times of Scolari with Brazil yeah it's like yeah. that's that I play my 433 and I keep that 433 and if we're down 1 zero he continues the same way changes six for half a dozen and has his guys and is loyal to his guys which is good because he builds a strong group a strong foundation but the problem is Cristiano Ronaldo became a problem to this team. Unlike Messi, that is a better player than Ronaldo right now still, right? Clearly a better player still. That Argentina built a setup where they don't need Messi. And he starts because he merits that start. He's still the best player for that team. And if they benched Messi, I don't think Messi would go whining about it, right? Now, Cristiano, we've seen that the bench does bother him. It's been... All season we we saw it firsthand experience with Man United these six months with Ten Hag. And then now, right before the World Cup, they dropped this interview in Piers Morgan, where he's just saying that he doesn't respect Ten Hag. He feels it's like the timing is just terrible and it's just not very professional. If you want after he leaves Man United, if you wanted to talk about it and just say, Hey, this is what happened. I didn't feel but he is still a Man United player. And that's yeah. what he's doing, or or maybe he's not, right? Maybe we don't know. Maybe he's already signed with Major League Soccer. But anyhow, I think Ronaldo is. I think what you talked about when you were worried about Neymar with Brazil, Ronaldo became that for Portugal. Uh, and yeah. when the player and when you see Portugal playing, uh, putting aside Fernando Santos' tactics, which are just very pragmatic. When Ronaldo's playing, you get a sense that some players feel obligated to pass him the ball. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a seniority thing. It's also the force of his personality, right? The force of his personality is such that if you don't pass him the ball, he's going to get mad at you, right? We've seen that many times. Throws his arms up in the air. Very demanding as a, as a player. And the thing is, Ronaldo also knows this is his last World Cup. There's no way he's going to be in the Portugal roster in 2026. he will be 41. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And he's Shouldn't already on the, the Euros, by the way. Huh? He shouldn't even be in the next Euros. No, he's very much on the decline. It's obvious. I mean, look, the guy's 37. For an attacking player, it's very rare. Zlatan can only keep on doing it because he's Zlatan, but he's very unique. I don't think Ronaldo is going to be there. And this is his last chance to win a World Cup. And I think his need for glory and trophies is going to be driving him so hard during this World Cup, but not in a good way. Right, he's going to be setting high standards for his teammates, demanding it, wanting to be the man, wanting to finally bring a world cup trophy to Portugal, which they've never won. He feels like it's his legacy on the line because remember, this was a guy who the last time Portugal won a trophy didn't play in the final, right?
1: Well, he, yeah, he, he I mean, he played,
0: but he got came off early with an injury, so he feels like he didn't really, although he contributed to the tournament, that final was not his glory, and now he's like, This is my last chance at glory. And I think that's going to bring out the worst in Ronaldo, not the best.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if there's, well, there's no way to talk sense into him right now, but a way for him to bring glory would be for him to be the leader of this final run. Because this Portuguese side, we talked about many of the names here. This is an actual title contender when it comes to looking at the names, right? Diego Costa, I don't know if he'll start. Diego Costa, the goalkeeper from Porto, he's been outstanding in the Champions League. Maybe he'll start Rui Patricio. I don't know. Jose Sahu who knows? But Diogo Costa has been fantastic. That defense with Ruben Diaz, Man City, Antonio Silva, one of the best center backs in the Champions League for Benfica at age 19, playing against PSG, Pepe with experience. Wow. Can you get fullbacks? Uh, what? Sorry. Joao Felix is still off the bench. Yeah, João Félix is off the bench. You have experienced players like João Mário, too, Danilo Pereira, William Carvalho. And you have players like Ruben Neves that are a bit younger, João Cancelo from Man City, Vitinha from PSG, Bernardo Silva, one of the best midfielders in the world, Bruno Fernandes that might come off the bench, Rafael Leão, you know, Mendes. Mendes, Mendes, Yeah, the left back. uh, What's his name, too? Uh, Rafael Leão is one of the best forwards in the Serie A if not the best forward in the Serie A right now too. So there's so much talent. And then you could add on top of that, having Cristiano Ronaldo off the bench with leadership and a player that if you send him in late in the game, you know he won't choke. Penalty shootouts. Ronaldo's there. So if he embraced that role, he could help lead this team to glory. And maybe he won't be the player but he will be a key contributor to winning it but it seems like his mind is more towards what you said it's like i either win being the man in this team or we just lose and i don't care uh yeah it sounds more like cristiano ronaldo cuz uh, we we have the the you know the data from man united uh he's not willing to work for the team he's pissed off cuz he's not starting and he's questioning the coach's decision in regards to that even though it's kind of reasonable from ten hag yeah Yeah, it's very reasonable. He's just not who he used to be, right?
0: That's the thing. How players handle aging and the decline of their powers is crucial to how long they can stay. Either they adjust and they make adjustments, they accept different roles, they become like experienced heads, leaders, You know, bringing the younger guys along, encouraging them, playing however many minutes they get. He could still contribute at Man United in that role, but he doesn't want that role. And so it, it just depends what he does with Portugal. It just depends. And that'll be
1: interesting to see. And we gotta remember too that Cristiano Ronaldo—he's always had elite talent in terms of ability on the ball, headers, finishing, dribbling. It was always elite. But one of the things that differentiated him from many other players was how much more athletic he was than everyone else. His positioning, yeah. his quickness, how how fast, how strong, how high he could jump. So you added all that elite talent with that that he was just much better than everyone else and you got that legendary player that we've seen for real madrid Man united a little bit at juventus right and then now yeah. in the decline but the athleticism part just isn't the same he also went through a traumatic experience not so long ago right lost a child at yeah. birth and yeah at the end of the day he is human and that has to have hit him in one way shape or form mm-hmm. obviously there's no way for us to measure that. We can't say how much it affected him, but there's no way it didn't affect him somehow. And then you add all that, the decline of his age, and that's the player he is now. But he still thinks he is the Cristiano Ronaldo, and that's the problem.
0: Yeah. But
1: Pete, I think Portugal, and we'll talk about if we think Portugal will top the group or not later in this podcast. Towards the end, we'll give our predictions. The other national team you wanted to talk about first, and this one's more to you, it's Ghana, right? Yeah, Ghana, perennial uh,
0: slayers of the U.S. Although in 2014, we finally got got them back and beat them in the group stage. Rest in peace, John Brooks. Rest in peace, John Anthony Brooks. Um, Ghana's an interesting team because I think they might be the second most talented team after Senegal from Africa. But still, there's still a lot of holes in this Ghana- Ghana- Ghanaian squad uh, just to give you an idea, there are some of their key players. Obviously, everybody knows Thomas Partey, the midfielder for Arsenal, defensive midfielder. Uh, Daniel Amarte, the center back for Leicester. Um, he's going to start for them. Tariq Lamptey, the right back for uh, Brighton, another very important player. Joseph Idu, center back for Celta Vigo. They have some good pieces. Mohamed Kudus, the attacking midfielder from Ajax, another very interesting guy. Inaki Williams, the forward from Athletic Bilbao. He might not even start. Uh, coach Oto Ado, who, by the way, is still with Borussia Dortmund as a scout slash young uh, coach for the, young, the academy team. He doesn't seem to prefer Inaki Williams starting up top, which I find a little bit surprising. Um, he prefers, I can't remember his name now. He's actually the captain of the team. I'll look it up and get back to you. But Kamaldin Suleimana, a 20-year-old left wing from Rene, mostly as a sub, is an interesting young guy to watch. Isahaku Fatawu, a 20-year-old winger from Benfica, mostly a sub for Benfica as well. They play 3-5-2, 4-2-3-1. I think they're gonna play mostly 3-5-2 at this World Cup, considering the competition that they have, right? If you're going up against you know, it's it's really going to be five three two is what it's going to be, um, and it'll just be interesting to see how they handle it. They have some some good talent there, but compared to the other guys in this team, apart from South Korea, right? South Korea you know they can beat them for sure, but apart from South Korea, I don't know. I can't I can't really see this Ghana team going through over either Uruguay or Portugal.
1: So I guess Ghana debuts against Portugal, and then they play South Korea, then they play Uruguay. I guess if they come into that South Korea game and not, sorry, if they come into the Uruguay game, the third game with four points, you'd say they have a shot, but that means they need to get a draw against Portugal and they need to beat South Korea if they want to get through. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's possible, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. Uh, And they also got a few of their players are dual Nats that they just brought in, right. They weren't even in the world cup. Like Tarek Lamptey, was he? did he make the roster? Lamptey from uh, Brighton? I think yeah, he did. Yeah, Lamptey's there starting right back. Yeah, and, and he's not starting for Brighton, by the way. Uh, no. It, there was a point in time where Tarek Lamptey was one of the biggest fullback prospects in Europe and then kind of fell off a little bit. It, maybe we fell for a little bit of that English media hype, and then they don't talk about him anymore. Uh, it's yeah. Not relevant. Yeah. Uh, before we get on to Uruguay, should I get a quick word from our sponsor? Real quick, there. Andre
0: Ayu is the one that is probably, he's more of a winger for them, but he has been used up top. Ghana has used him up top. He's 32 now, playing in the Middle East for Al Saad. I don't know how much uh, the coach trusts him to start, but he is the captain of the team. So I'm guessing he will start.
1: Hmm. I mean, they need experience there too. But Pete, moving on, we're going to go to Uruguay next, correct? Yes. But before we do so, let's go through halfway through the podcast and a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. And thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 bet on an NBA pregame money line to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. That's another promotion that they have in their website. So download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code TBPN. A sponsor here of the Tactical Yanks podcast. Thank you, DraftKings. Pete, Uruguay. One of the dark horses of this tournament. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shall I start? Uruguay. So they were struggling. Little history here for anyone. They were struggling World Cup qualifying uh, with their coach Oscar Tabarez at the time that had been around for 15 years, man. This guy's been around forever. It was time to go. Let's be honest here. It was time for him to go. A little bit too long. That's like... Okay, but then back to what it matters. They signed in Diego Alonso with four games left in World Cup qualifying. In not such a good situation, but he goes on, wins all four matches left, and qualifies in third place, only behind Brazil and Argentina. So this is a different team from what we've seen the past few years that they were struggling quite a bit. And they have a great mix of veterans, players in their prime, and young players in form right? I think that's the best way to put it here. You look at their goalkeeper right now, Sergio Rochette took over for Muslera, but Muslera, the experienced goalkeeper, has embraced the backup role. So he will be there in the group for leadership. He's embraced that. Rochette is the starting goalkeeper. You look at their back line, Roland Araujo from Barcelona will be available for the World Cup, apparently. It looked like he was out due to injury, but he made the roster and he will be available. Jose Maria Jimenez or Jimenez from Atletico Madrid. Sebastian Coates from Sporting Lisbon. Experienced center back and captain Diego Godin that plays right now for Vélez Sarsfield in Argentina. Martin Cáceres that plays for the LA Galaxy in Major League Soccer was actually probably one of the best, if not the best center back in Major League Soccer. He changed completely for the Galaxy, that back line after he arrived. Yeah, But... It doesn't just end there. They have great. They have Matias Oliveira, the left back from Napoli, probably mm-hmm. the hottest team in Europe right now, right? Dominating the Serie A, dominating their Champions League group with Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, and then you keep going on. They have right backs like Guillermo Valera, Varela from Flamengo. That's a great right back as well. Their midfield. That's where it gets interesting. They have players that are in their prime, like Lucas Torreira, that plays in Turkey. Young players like Manuel Ugarte. Right, You have Bettencourt that's been in the form of his life for Tottenham. Just scored again this weekend. Been scoring more than ever. You also add on a player like De hascaeta from Flamengo. Probably the best attacking midfielder in South America for years. And many people are going to underrate him because he doesn't play in Europe. But right. this guy could play in top five leagues easily. The only question mark I have with him is he's injury prone. And then you also have a player like Federico Valverde, which is a world-class Who? player.
0: Who's Federico Valverde? Plays somewhere in the. You don't know him. Never Brazilian heard of him. second division, no, somewhere like it. Valverde.
1: Yeah, Name he sounds
0: familiar. I just
1: can't quite place him. I think he is one of the best players for Real Madrid.
0: Oh, Real Madrid! They're like a, some Spanish team, no? They play in Spain somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah I guess sometimes. it must be if they're called Madrid. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they play they're like a mediocre team in Madrid, and he's a mediocre, he's a good player in that mediocre team.
0: Only have the most Champions League uh trophies of any team in history.
1: Yeah, and won like five in the last 10 years. Yeah. Something like that. So pretty decent, it
0: feels like a decent team.
1: Yeah, and he's a key player for Real Madrid and a key player for Uruguay, right? He can play as a central midfielder for them, he can play as a right midfielder for them. Wherever you put him, he's dangerous and he Just like we talked about bittencourt and we talked about Arrascaeta, all three of them are coming into this tournament in probably the best form of their lives right yeah. now. Arrascaeta just won the Libertadores of Flamengo balling out. Um, the defense is rock solid. You have all these quality players in the midfield. And then when you think you're done, you're like, OK, that's enough talent to make a deep run. And then you go to their forwards. And then when you look at their forwards, you do have a player like Darwin Nunes from Liverpool, heavily yeah. criticized, but I think people over-exaggerate also how bad he is. He's not that He's bad also at all. young still, right? He's young enough that there's going to be variants in his performance. You can't judge him yet. 23. And then regardless, you still have a player like Edson Cavani. He's in the roster. Coming back from an injury, but you know if you give Cavani 20 minutes, he's yeah. dangerous. Throw the ball in the box, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then you have Luisito Suarez that just won the Uruguayan league there. Uh, again, a player definitely passes his prime, but all you need to do is give him a chance or two. He'll convert them. Uh, so matter.
0: Suarez and Cavani's last world cups, right? There's no yes. way either of them is playing in the next one. So this is their last chance to finally help Uruguay to win a third world cup. And for me, and this is going to sound disrespectful to Uruguayan fans, The first two world cups ever they won before that they actually technically won quote-unquote more it wasn't called the world cup it was basically a tournament that fifa designated later as a world cup wasn't it the olympics it was yeah it was weird i don't count it i don't count it until it was actually a world cup and one of them was at home in 1930 1934 i think they won the first two right
1: yeah uh they won the maracanazo right that was in 1938 No, I think they won the first, and then Italy won the second. They won the third, something like that. The
0: third, that's what it was. But, like, it's been almost 100 years since they've won the World Cup. It's like, if it's that long ago, you know, I don't want to say it barely counts, but it does. Is anybody alive from when they won the World Cups? No. I mean, I think they won
1: before World War II, both of them.
0: Yeah. So, like, this might be Uruguay's best ever chance to win a World Cup. And I don't think they will, but this is the closest they might. Well, I mean, I guess it's hard to say third place in 2014, uh, 2010, I'm sorry. No, 20, yeah, 2014, they went to the semis, right?
1: Uh, they 2010, they made it to the semis they made to the Diego semis. They didn't Lyme. get
0: third place. They lost to uh, Germany, right, in 2010.
1: Uh, 2010, they lost to Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken. Netherlands, That who it was, yeah. But they made it to
0: the semifinal, and that's the closest they've ever gotten. I think they yeah. could make the semifinal again
1: they this team could because it goes back to what do we need to be what do you need to be an underdog in the World cup? You need we talked about in another podcast. you need a very strong defense, check. they have that. yeah you need you need to have at least one or two players that on their own they can decide a game. They have more than one, right? Valverde is definitely the first one that comes to mind. Darwin Nunes in one play. Cavani and Suarez could in one play change the game. I think De Arrascaeta can do that as well. A Betancourt right now has been in the form of his life. So they have that. That's another check. Another one is mentality and grit. And Uruguay always has that, right? Yeah. And another box we can check here is you need to have experience. You need to have veterans that can control the locker room, control the team there. And, and they definitely have that. Uh, including players that were involved in that twenty ten run, right? Luis Suarez right. being one of them. I believe Muzlera was the goalkeeper in twenty ten as well. Yeah. Uh so they have all of that. And they're in good form. Obviously the World Cup crazy things can happen. But I think I don't I don't put this Uruguay side as a title contender. I don't think there's any chance they'll win the World Cup. And this might age poorly in case they win. But saying they can make it to a semifinals it doesn't sound unreasonable. The main thing with this group is I made this joke. I, I think it was a video I made about the dark horse group H. If you ain't first, you were last because it's all about avoiding Brazil, right? You avoid Brazil. The path is there. You can make it to a, a deep run because if you avoid Brazil, you also avoid Argentina. So yeah, yeah, that that's uh, later, like in the quarterfinals, you avoid Argentina. So If you ain't first, you're last. you got to go for that first place in this group. And I think the first place in this group is up for grabs. I do see Uruguay as a slight advantage because of the issues that Portugal has that we talked about and because they look better than Ghana and South Korea. But it's up for grabs. Like If Ghana catches fire, they can get first place. Portugal, Uruguay. I just don't see South Korea making it. No. But I I have high hopes for this Uruguayan side. And, And I think if you're not from Europe, I think a lot of us all over the world, we sort of want a team from outside of UEFA to win the World Cup and others to do well. And Comebo is probably the most likely one. Uh, yeah. So we probably want like a Brazil-Argentina to win it. It would be nice to see Uruguay make a deep run because when you look at the Asian nations, I think Japan is probably the best one right now, in my opinion. And then you look at CONCACAF, things are iffy with CONCACAF. We don't know. Yeah. They're not looking good. And then the only team that's probably looking good for their standard is Canada. But if they get out of the group, it's already going to be a major accomplishment. So yeah. it has to be common ball to stop UEFA. And that that and it's not going to be Ecuador right now. Ecuador is a young team, and I do think they're levels below Brazil, Argentina, and uh, um, Uruguay. Ecuador, to me, has to be the one to screw over Qatar. That's it. That's what I want from Ecuador. Uh so going back to that, it, it's going to be Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay to, to know do the damage, knock out European nations. And I think Uruguay can be one of those. And they can start by pushing Portugal to face Brazil. They need to push yeah. Portugal to go face Brazil. And that's probably when Cristiano Ronaldo's World Cup career will end, which it's a good way to end. Uh, not going to lie.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, there's amazing players in the world that have never won the world cup. Right. So there's no shame in not winning the world cup, right? Messi could finish his career without winning the world cup. Like I think he will too. Um, it's, it's very possible they hope, but that, that, that doesn't change that He's still probably the best. He's definitely the best player of his generation might right. be the best player of all time. So that's okay. You know what I mean? I mean, look at Kaká, a very good player who never won the World
1: Cup. He won right? in 2002. Okay. He was in the roster. True. He was in the roster. i give He it played a game. He, uh, oh, wait, because you forgot it. When Brazil was up, I think, 2-0 against Germany, he was ready to come in in the last second. Yeah. But the ball wouldn't go out. And then he never got in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But,
0: I mean, George Weah, right? What about the uh, Northern Irish guy who played for Manchester well, United? Uh, Manchester how about United? Johan Cruyff? Johan Cruyff never won the World Even like uh, Robin van Persie, uh, you know, Frederick Lundberg from Arsenal, amazing player. Uh, So many amazing players that never actually won the World Cup. So there's no shame in that. You can still be the best team in the world and not win the World Cup. It's a knockout tournament. It's one game. You have four knockout games in, in which anything can happen, right? I mean, for crying out loud, Greece won a Euros. Have you ever heard of any of those players since then? No.
1: No. I, I i even at the time it was kind of fun to watch and and breck shea never won a world cup too yeah
0: no breck shea mixed discrood never won a world cup no. you know never even no. played in a world cup he was in that 2014 roster didn't play a single minute this
1: was the 10 he was the
0: united states 10. he was wearing the 10 yeah and yeah. that's even with josie altador going down injured we pushed michael bradley up the field and played dempsey as the striker
1: crazy times yeah crazy crazy times. But Pete, last but not least, South Korea. There's not too much to talk about. I know you know more about them. Uh, just to update everyone on Son, he is in their roster, but he is also questionable for the World Cup. So they're not going to get a hundred. They're not going to get a one hundred percent fit Son, and that's their best player. Pete, South Korea, take it from here, and then we can wrap things up for this episode.
0: Yeah, the two big talents are obviously Heung-Min Son and Min Jae-Kim, the center back for Napoli. We talked about Napoli being the hottest team in Europe right now. 25 years old, so still quite young for a center back. Um, been starting regularly for Napoli. Huge, hugely important player for South Korea. And those two are there. But like you said, with no son, it's going to be tough. Some of the other guys that they are going to have to rely on, you've got Hwang In-Bung. He's a midfielder, plays for Olympiacos right now in the Greek League. Uh, Jay Lung-si is attacking midfielder for Mainz in Germany. Uh, Kang In-li plays for Mallorca, sort of up and down performances from him, another attacking midfielder. Huang Hee-chun is the uh, second striker for Wolves. Even with Raul Jimenez out, he doesn't start, right? Mm -hmm. So he comes off the bench, hasn't been super productive for Wolves. And then you've got Wu Yung-jong, the second striker for Freiburg. So they do have some interesting pieces, but looking at the group, the talent, I mean, the talent gap is huge. And just the mental, I think the mental pressure of losing Son is going to be very tough on this South Korean team. Their coach, Paulo Bento, used to coach Portugal. He's a Portuguese manager. He coached, he coached Portugal in 2014. He was the predecessor to Fernando Santos. Um, so he's doing his best, but I, I just can't see the South Korean team. Maybe I can see them maybe getting a point against Ghana if they defend for their lives. I can't see them getting points against either Uruguay or
1: Portugal. I wonder what's up with these Portuguese managers and their soccer terrorism all over the world, because you get Paulo Bento, Fernando Santos, Jose Mourinho, Abel Ferreira. They're all soccer terrorists.
0: You know what I think it
1: is? I think in Portugal, there's
0: a little bit of a inferiority complex because they're always Spain's little brother, right? They've always been kind of quote less than Spain, whether it's, in the world dominating the world in terms of soccer they've always been not as good as spain or you know especially recently so i wonder if that tends to create guys who are like anti-heroes in a sense where i'm gonna do whatever i can to beat you even if it means playing negative soccer and that's sort of been josé Mourinho's mo his entire career same with santos same with bento
1: i think it's there's a geopolitical reason for it right it could be if you want to dive into that more in depth, yeah. If you want to go really deep into it, it might, you might be some true because it's just such a Portuguese manager thing. Just like I don't want to play actual soccer, right? I just want, it's like it's, they all follow what Jose Mourinho does, and and it does work for many teams, right? Jose Mourinho was very successful, is still very successful. Abel Ferreira was successful in in Brazil. Um, it's just the way it is, Pete. Just before we wrap things wrap things up, your prediction for this group.
0: So I switch it up. I still think that Portugal wins this group. And I think Uruguay gets second, but it's very
1: tight. And then Uruguay Dark Horse story kind of ends probably. You think they'll knock out Brazil? I don't think they will, but again, in a one-off game, anything can happen,
0: right? Um, you know, Neymar gets sent off early on for a challenge that's not really a challenge, but the referee calls it that way. One of their center backs makes a mistake and it goes in, and then Uruguay just bunkers. I don't think it's good. If I had to put money on it, I'd still put my money on Brazil. But we've seen this before. Anything can happen in a World Cup knockout game. So you never know. But yeah, very likely I would put money on Brazil to
1: be Uruguay. I'm going to stick with Portugal second. Uruguay first, Portugal second, Ghana in third, and South Korea is not looking that good. They also played Brazil in a friendly and it was horrible to watch. They got ran over at home. It was terrible. It was like 5-1, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Japan had a tougher game with Brazil. So I'll go with Uruguay first, Portugal. I think Cristiano Ronaldo's World Cup. I think Brazil, and this is just me being a Brazilian fan, a Brazil fan, Brazilian, right? Brazil is going to end Cristiano Ronaldo's World Cup career and then we'll end Messi's career in the semifinals. And then we win the World Cup and live happily ever after. Sixth World Cup it would be. The 6th, yes. Right. The only one bigger. who comes
0: close is uh, Germany, right? With In four. Italy.
1: In Italy. Where Italy yeah. has 3. 4.
0: Oh, no, you're right. In 06, they also won 4. Yeah,
1: yeah, Italy and Germany have 4. Uh, Italy can't play this one, so it's going to be Germany and Brazil. Germany, if they win, they tie Brazil. They tie Brazil, Bra- yeah. Brazil wins, they open up a gap. and I think before we even close things here. I think we are entering a bit of another Brazilian dynasty because that's what usually Mm -hmm. happens throughout history, right? You had the Brazilian dynasty of 58 to around like the early seventies, the Pele generation. And then Brazil kind of like was just good in the seventies and eighties, like quarterfinals, semifinals, that's it, no final. And then in the nineties, when Brazil won in 94, you had that dynasty of 94 title, 98 second place, 2002 title, many Confederations cup. Copa America, and then 2006, that generation died off, and we had a bad generation. But this generation, this new one, looks like it's back. And I, what I was saying is I don't know if Brazil is going to win this World Cup, the next one, I don't know. But I think 2022, 2026, 2030, out of those three, I think one of them at least will be Brazil. One of them will be this Brazilian generation. But time will tell. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Pete, I'll let you close this one.
0: As always, guys, we hope that you enjoyed these world cup previews over the last 2 months uh the world cup is here now if you're not sure by any teams yet don't forget go back check out some of the previews that we did heck come back and laugh at us if we got something completely wrong if south korea tops this group feel free to come back and laugh at us um it's just exciting i know there's a lot of issues around this world cup with qatar and all the same stuff that we've been saying for a long time but it's still the world cup and it's still magical there's still an element of magic because it happens so rarely once every four years the whole world comes together to celebrate soccer and to find out who's the best at it so enjoy it guys it only happens once every four years until fifa changes the rules and makes it happen once every two years but we'll see what happens with that as always thanks for listening give us a review give us a rating anywhere you get your podcasts enjoy the world cup guys